Reese and Casey for that. Yeah, Be Thou My Vision, one of my favorites. I love that one. Go with me to the book of Acts this morning, chapter 4. Yeah, let me mention about four weeks early to give all of you new parents and grandparents some notice. We're going to have a baby dedication Sunday on September 15th. Okay, so September 15th is the date. So lock it in. And yeah, we, ha- we haven't had one for about a year. And yeah, so we may have some babies that are up to a year old uh, whose parents would like to participate. A baby dedication has nothing to do with salvation. Every person must choose Jesus Christ for him or herself. But it is a time where we dedicate the life of that child to the Lord and uh, say, we want what God has purposed for this child. And uh, so we, we have a baby, a surprise baby, who's going to be in the baby dedication. Our own baby, I'm talking about, Sophie. So uh, I know many of you parents and grandparents will want to be a part of that. And uh, we give special gifts to each family. And September 15th is the date on that. Well, here in Acts 4, let me set up the context for you. In chapter 3, Peter and John had gone to the temple together to pray. And as they were headed into the building, they met a lame man who was asking for alms. He was asking for money. And Peter said famously, you may remember the line, Silver and gold have I none, but such as I have give I thee. In the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, stand up and walk, or rise up and walk. And uh, so the man went, the Bible says, went walking and leaping and praising God. And this led Peter to give a sermon right there in front of the temple. The sermon that he gave that day caused quite a stir. And the local authorities put both of them in jail for the night for preaching the gospel. And we catch up with the story the next morning as Peter is boldly proclaiming salvation in Christ. Uh, Acts chapter 4. And let's back up to his previous statement in verse 12. Listen to what he had just told them. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there is none other name under heaven given among men, whereby we must be saved. Now, when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, and perceived that they were unlearned and ignorant men, they marveled. Okay, so this this is kind of like, now, once again, this may be sacrilegious, but Thomas led the way. This is kind of like people thinking those Duck Dynasty boys are some of the most unlearned, ignorant, dumb hicks there's ever been. And yet, there's 12 million people watching them. So, so it's kind of like this thought process. Here these guys are, they say, wait just a second. These are hillbillies. These disciples are followers of Jesus. They're unlearned, they're ignorant, and yet we're blown away by what they're saying. Now, that's just my thought added in the verse. You take it or leave it. Look at this. And they took knowledge of them. If you, if you underline in your Bible, underline this next phrase. That they had been with Jesus. I wonder if anybody ever looks at you and says, Boy, that seems like somebody that's been with Jesus. They took knowledge of them that they had been with Jesus. And beholding the man which was healed, standing with them, they could say nothing against him. But when they had commanded them to go aside out of the council, they conferred among themselves, saying, What shall we do to these men? For that indeed a notable miracle hath been done by them, 
is manifest to all them that dwell in Jerusalem, and we cannot deny it. But that it spread no further among the people, this disease of believing in Christ. Let us straightly threaten them that they speak henceforth to no man in this name. And they called them and commanded them not to speak at all nor teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered and said unto them, Whether it be right in the sight of God to hearken unto you more than unto God, judge ye. For we cannot but speak the things which we have seen and heard. By the way, Christianity is based on the history of a person, Jesus Christ. It is not just a belief system. It is not a doctrinal system. It's not about a book that was written at some point. It's about a person who actually lived, died, and rose from the tomb. And uh, that's why it's different than anything in the world. And by the way, if you can't say amen to that, you can't say amen to anything. I don't usually ask for amens, but that was actually a good point where you could have said amen. Verse 21. Now don't try to get in after the fact. I know you people. Verse 21. So when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding nothing how they might punish them because of the people. For all men glorified God for that which was done. For the man was above 40 years old on whom this miracle of healing was showed. Being let go, they went to their own company. This is the Christians. And reported all that the chief priests and elders had said unto them. Now this is where I really want you to get to in the reading today. Verse 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is, who by the mouth of thy servant David has said, Why did the heathen rage and the people imagine vain things? The kings of the earth stood up and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against his Christ. For of a truth against thy holy child Jesus, whom thou hast anointed, both Herod and Pontius Pilate with the Gentiles and the people of Israel, were gathered together. For to do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel determined before to be done. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings, and grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word by stretching forth thine hand to heal, and that signs and wonders may be done by the name of thy holy child Jesus. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost, and they spake the word of God with boldness. This morning we're going to look at Christian courage. And let's pray. Father, would you work now in us today? There are times when we ask for so many different things in our prayer lives. And I pray that by the end of this message this morning, that we would ask for boldness. That we would ask for courage. Guide us now, we pray, and we ask it in Jesus' name. Amen. Mrs. Dewey's coming to sing before the message. Lord, I lift my friend to you. I've done all that I know to do. I lift my friend to you. 
Complicated circumstances have clouded his view. And Lord, I lift my friend up to you. I fear that I won't have the words that he needs to hear. I pray for your wisdom, O oh God, and a heart that's sincere. And Lord, I lift my friend up to you. Lord, I lift my friend to you, my best friend in the world. I know he means much more to you. Lord, I want to help him, but this is something he has to do. And Lord, I lift my friend up to you. Cause there's a way that seems so right to him. But you know where that leads. He's becoming a puppet of the world. Too blind to see the streets. And Lord, I lift my friend up to you. My friend up to you. Lord, I lift my friend to you. I've done all that I know to do. I lift my friend to you. Thank you, man. What a powerful message. Thank you, Brenda, for that. I want you to imagine... We set up a table in front of the Caldwell Night Rodeo, which took place this last week, where we're handing out bottled water, and for those who'd like it, give them a copy of the scriptures. Just love on people, just say we care about you, and here in this community, in the name of Jesus. And if the police came down, and they said, you know what, you can't do that. You don't have a permit to speak in the name of Jesus you don't have a permit to hand out water in the name of Jesus. You say, Pastor, that would never happen. You know, it's already happened in Dearborn, Michigan. They have arrested Christians for saying, we love you in the name of Jesus. It's happened in Washington, D.C., where they said, you can't speak the name of God. Now, you can speak the name of Allah on this street, but you can't speak the name of God. And you certainly can't speak in Jesus' name. And if you don't stop doing it, we will handcuff you. We'll read your rights and we'll take you to the station. And there are Christians who have actually gone to jail in America for speaking the name of Jesus. What would your reaction be? What would our reaction be to that event? Now we go back to these early Christians. And we see what, what's taken place. And they, they helped a lame man who was over 40 years old in the name of Jesus to walk for the very first time. 
And now the authorities are saying, listen, we don't know what to do with these guys. We can't really arrest them because of the people. But hey, don't do it anymore. Don't speak anymore in the name of Jesus. Now, if you keep reading in Acts, can I give you a hint? They don't stop. They keep speaking the name of Jesus. In fact, the entire church of Jerusalem is going to be blown apart by persecution. And they're going to go everywhere in the region of Galatia and Samaria and throughout the uttermost parts of the earth. And by chapter 14, it says, these are the men who have turned the world upside down. But there's some courage involved in this. And over these last weeks, we've seen many different principles that help us to put action steps to our compassion. I can tell you that when caring turns into sharing, the next steps for personal faith become increasingly apparent to us. The difference between knowing those steps and taking those steps lies in a single word, courage. Way too many Christians live status quo lives. They show up for church on Sunday morning, may show up for church on Sunday night. If they can fit a Bible study in during the week, they'll do it, and they do it week after week, after month, after year, after decade, and that's the Christian life. Can I tell you how it often takes place? A believer is growing developing an authentic heart for God. He's living in submission to the Holy Spirit. And then God leads him to an opportunity that scares the living daylights out of him. And he stops in his tracks. Do you know, some of you would be frightened to death to hand out a bottle of water that's saying we care about you. That may be the huge next step for you. Some would be frightened to death to ask a coworker about what he believes. Or even if he attends church. And, and so we face these steps in our own lives. And believers who have been growing in Christ and they want to know about the Word and they're hungry and they want the milk and they even want the meat. That means they're Wednesday night Christians. They want the meat of the Word of God, and they step in, and they get the meat. Do you know why God wants us to understand and know the Word of God? So that we can share it. See, we're not supposed to be stagnant ponds that just accumulate knowledge and facts about the Word of God. We're supposed to be people who give the Word of God out to others. And and, and so, here we face this topic today of refusing to walk through the door. And once that happens, from that point on, faith can never get back on a growth track until you have the courage to take that next step. Until you have the courage to do what God has already asked you to do in your life, He can't reveal anything else. And so we're dealing with a big topic today in each of our lives. There are lots of Christians who are running in place Because they hesitate to do something that God's already asked them to do. The passage we're looking at this morning gives us some great insight into taking next steps through God-given boldness. And I promise you that your walk with God will be extremely fulfilling if you're willing to take next steps by faith. And it's going to be extremely miserable and frustrating if you're not. There are a lot of Christians who are miserable in the Christian faith. Do you know, if you make the Christian walk all about you, you're going to be miserable. 
The Christian walk's about a guy named Jesus. It's about Him filling your life with His peace, His strength, His joy, His power, and allowing you to share that life with others. But when we make it about ourselves, boy, we get into trouble. And so we're going to see four parts of this. The notes are provided in your bulletin. If you'd like to follow along, it's not going to be a long message today, but I hope you'll stay with me. Let's talk first about standing on God's sovereignty. Standing on God's sovereignty. Look again at the response of these early Christians in verse 24. And when they heard that, they lifted up their voice to God with one accord and said, Lord, Thou art God, which has made heaven and earth and the sea and all that in them is. Look at verse 28. For to do whatsoever Thy hand and Thy counsel determined before to be done. You know what they understood? That yes, there were Gentiles who hated Jesus. Yes, Herod hated Jesus. Yes, Pilate had questions about what he was going to do with Jesus. Yes, the Jews cried out, crucify him. But there was only one entity in the universe who put him on the cross. That was God the Father. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, Jesus would not have hung on the cross without God's sovereignty. You can bank on that. It was God's sovereignty that placed him on the cross. And now they're banking on God's sovereignty as they spread the name of Jesus. The last time you were slightly persecuted for your faith, if you ever have been, did this thought cross your mind? Eternal God, creator of heaven and earth, You've placed me in this situation so I could be used to glorify you. I can tell you from personal experience, that may not be the first thought. See, as humans, we think of the immediate, not the eternal. We think of human emotions, not the sovereign nature of Almighty God. So you're in a neighborhood where you don't really want to live. You're in a school where you really don't want to go. You're in a job where darkness is all around you. You're in a college class that's entirely humanistic. You're in a group of friends that have a worldview that leaves God completely out. What's the response? The response is, God, do whatsoever thy hand and thy counsel hath determined before to be done. God, we rely and we rest on your sovereignty. And if we could pray a prayer like this, God, you're the one that allowed me to be in this situation. Do whatever it is that you want done through me. That's a big step for us. I know that we would all claim to care for the souls of people around us. We've said that throughout the series. The disciples were led to continue telling these people about Christ when they'd already been rejected. They were going to go and tell the people about Jesus who had just arrested them. They're going to go and tell the people about Jesus who told them, hey, shut up, don't talk around here anymore. Sometimes we give up before rejection even happens. We talked about that in the week of Christian conversation, where we tell the no for people, right? We say, well, I'm pretty sure if I tell him this, he's going to say this. 
I'm pretty sure if I ask him to go to an event at church, he's going to tell me no. Do you know that 85% of people who come to local churches like this one come because a person invited them? Churches today are, man, websites and billboards and literature, and nothing's wrong with that. We should do that. But what if we as people actually talk to other human beings? Wouldn't that be an impressive thing? That's what they did in the book of Acts. And, and God began to work in this. Sometimes we give up before the rejection happens. I'm convinced we need to begin more prayers with these words. Sovereign God, creator of heaven and earth, you have placed me in this situation, in this environment, so that I could be used to share truth. Give me courage when that tragedy hits. When that cancer grows, when that long-time plan changes, when that relationship fades, at that moment, will we remember God's sovereignty or look only at the immediate pressing need? So God's sovereignty has got to be supreme in this. Let's talk next about speaking in spite of circumstances. Speaking in spite of circumstances. Let's keep hitting the same subject in the passage. Look at verse 29. I want you to see the continuation of their prayer. This just really blows me away. Look at verse 29. And now, Lord, behold their threatenings. Now think about what they just said. Lord, I want you to behold their threatenings. God, look down and see what's going on down here. And... Take their threatenings away. Nope. If you have your Bible open, that's not what it says. And grant unto thy servants that with all boldness they may speak thy word. See, the natural response to threaten ministry might be to lay low and show a quiet spirit. Don't cause a commotion. But that's not the faith response. Notice this again. They didn't even ask God to take the threat away. But they did ask for boldness. If you've ever read the book of Acts, you know that the threats soon turn into real-life persecution. Imprisonment, beatings, even beheadings. It wasn't going to get any easier from this point. But the doors that God would open were going to get bigger and bigger and bigger. The gospel movement required great boldness. That's exactly what they asked for. That's exactly what we still have to ask for today. But I find in most of my prayers, it seems like I'm asking God to take something bad away from somebody. Especially myself, right? You ever this way? God, take away Aunt Sally's cancer. Take away my son's work problem. Take away my daughter's relationship problem. And his name is... Um, take away the heathen thinking from our community. God, would you take the heathens out of Caldwell and have us all just be believers in you? Don't believe that's the Great Commission, but that's how we pray. Right? Jesus said, go ye into all the world. Preach the gospel. And we say, God, take us out of the world. Insulate us. Never allow us to meet a non-Christian. Well, that's some courage, isn't it? 
Keep us in an environment where we never have to do anything outside of the box. Oh God, would you take away this? And could it be that instead of asking God to take stuff away, that we're really supposed to be asking for boldness? It sounds so simple, yet I assure you it's not. But it's the next step in a faith walk. Most of the time, we know what it is God wants us to do. Do you know that even when you're praying for wisdom, you usually already know how God's leading you? Right? You're saying, God, give us wisdom about this big decision. When you already know what you're supposed to do, you know what you're missing? It's not wisdom. It's courage. It's courage to actually take the step you know God wants you to take. See, some of you who are living in circumstances and environments that you know are against God's Word, you don't need wisdom. You already know it's wrong. You need to have the courage to say, I'm not doing it anymore. Some of you who are addicted to things on this earth that you know are wrong should get some courage, some backbone in the Lord and say, I'm not doing it anymore. I'm not living in this situation anymore. I'm going to follow God's path. But instead, we pray for wisdom. We lack the fortitude to walk the next mile. And so many times, we stop in our tracks and determine to do nothing except ask God to take blank away. You say, well, what's blank? I don't know. It's whatever it is for you. It's whatever it is in your praying and your prayer life to say, oh, God, Take blank away. That's how we pray. That's not how they prayed. They said, God, behold blank and give us boldness. God, look down here. See what's happening? Give us boldness. God says, serve me courageously in spite of blank. Serve me with boldness in spite of whatever that thing is in your life. Look at what Paul said. You've got to see this one in 2 Corinthians 12. I'm sure you've heard it before. Maybe you didn't know exactly where in the Scripture this verse was. I want to show it to you. 2 Corinthians 12. You know Paul had a blank too. <laughs> Paul said, God, take this away from me. And he was a prayer warrior. He prayed specifically and earnestly for this. Look at 2 Corinthians 12, 8. For this thing I besought the Lord thrice. That means three times. That it might depart from me. And he said unto me. If you have, if you have a Bible with words in red of Jesus. Jesus said this to him. He said unto me. My grace is sufficient for thee. For my strength is made perfect in weakness. You know how Paul responded? Look what he said. Most gladly, therefore, will I rather glory in my infirmities that the power of Christ may rest in me. He goes on in the next verse to say, For when I am weak, then I am strong. Do you know why God put blank in your life? Could be that He's trying to shape you into being what He's made you to be. It could be that He put that in your life so that you can reach out to the people who are involved in that situation. But so many times we just pray that it'll go away. God, just get it out of here. If you take this out of my life, God, then I'll serve you. You know what God wants? 
He wants to serve you with that. He wants you to serve Him with that in your life. With that thing in your life today, He wants you to serve. So many times that's not where we're at. We have trouble with this step. Let's look at this next part. And I think it's all going to start adding up for you. Secure in the boldness source. Go back in Acts chapter 4. Secure in the boldness source. Look at verse 31. And when they had prayed, the place was shaken where they were assembled together. And they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. And they spake the Word of God with boldness. So they had prayed for boldness. And now they spoke with boldness. Spiritual courage cannot be manufactured by any human effort. You can't psych yourself up to die to self and live for Christ. It's a direct effect of Holy Spirit filling. And Holy Spirit filling only happens one way. When a believer hands over an empty vessel to God. It says, God, fill me. You say, well, wait, isn't there a special filling? No, can I tell you this? When you got saved, you got all of the Holy Spirit you'll ever get. The problem is, He may not have all of you. So you're trying to keep a little bit in the cup of stuff that you're going to hold on to. It never mixes with the Spirit. The Spirit can't work with 99% of you. He can't work with 82% of you. He can only work with 100% of you. And when you say, God, here's an empty vessel, use me, He will. You can be secure in this boldness source. If you seem to be lacking in the spiritual courage to take the next step, would you first check on your level of submission to the Spirit of God? There's a powerful passage in the Gospels, and I'm sure you've seen it, where a, a rich young ruler comes to Jesus to ask about salvation and discipleship. And Jesus cared so deeply for this young man that he tested his level of commitment. And he told him, hey, go sell everything you have and come and follow me. You remember that the young man walked away sorrowful, the Bible says, for he had great possessions. He wasn't willing to release the immediate for the eternal. He wasn't willing to overlook the pressing needs for his primary need, Jesus Christ. And when a Christian submits his life fully to the Spirit, godly courage fills that life. I have a question for you this morning. I already asked it in the sermon. Let me ask it again. Maybe you didn't hear it the first time. Is the Christian life miserable for you? Is the Christian life drudgery for you? Is the Christian life just a kind of a feeling, boy, I've got to go down to the church again? You know, Christianity is not even about church. It's about a relationship with Jesus Christ. You feel like you're not moving ahead. Maybe you're finding no fulfillment in your walk with God. Can I just tell you, biblically speaking, this is not me, I'm just telling you what God says. There's something that you haven't submitted to the Spirit. 
if that's the way your emotions are, if that's the way your mindset is about being a believer, there's something in your life you haven't submitted to the Spirit. And God's probably reminding you right now what it is. The Holy Spirit is probably poking your heart. Hey, you remember that thing? Remember that step I asked you to take and you stopped dead in your tracks? That's the thing. You remember that thing I nudged you about six weeks ago that you've got to get out of your life and you've kept it anyway? Got to get rid of it. See, the Holy Spirit never yells. Get that? The Holy Spirit never yells. He nudges. He whispers. But He never yells. And when we push Him away, the Bible says that we quench the very Holy Spirit of our God. And when we quench the Spirit, He can't lead us until we go back to that place where we left Him and we say, Spirit, I can't go without You anymore. I'll do what You asked me to do. You know, many times there's a fork in the road where you kept going and He stopped. Sometimes there's a fork in the road where He said, we got to go this way. And you didn't go that way. I don't know what it is in your life, but I know this. If you're miserable as a believer, if you're not on top of the world every day as a Christian, it's not a personality issue. It's a submission issue. You say, Pastor, I've seen you. You're not the happiest guy either. Well, my wife reminds me of that quite often. (laughs) That is a personality thing. When it comes to Jesus, though, folks, I'm on top of the world. That's an inside Christianity, right? Um, Look, we all have different personalities, gifts, struggles in our lives. But we've got to submit whatever it is the Holy Spirit's asking us to do. Do you know, even as I'm standing here preaching this this morning, the Holy Spirit's nudging me about something He talked to me about a few weeks ago. He's saying, hey, how dare you say that to them if you won't let go of it in your life? That's how He works. How He's working in you. And it's there. It's in your cup. And if you would bring your cup up here and dump it out today, He'll fill it. But we try to keep something in there. You know, the thing that we try to hold on to is poison. It's acid. It's impure. And when we just dump it out, He fills it with springs of living water. He gives you fulfillment, peace, joy in any environment on the earth. Any circumstance, any trouble, He'll guide you and He'll fill you. But it requires submission. And so this courage doesn't just happen. But when you give God an empty cup, you can be secure in the boldness source. God's not only going to provide the foresight to see what's coming next in your life, God's not only going to grant you the wisdom to know what your steps should be, but God's going to give you the courage to act. Let's finish by talking about serving with selfless grace. I want you to see what happens. The power of God fell on them. The place was moved. They began to speak with boldness. And I want you to see what happened in verse 32. And the multitude of them that believed were of one heart and of one soul. Neither said any of them that aught of the things which he possessed was his own. Can I speak that to you in hillbilly language? 
Here's what they said. Nothing we have is ours. We don't have anything personal anymore. It all belongs to God. It all belongs to the kingdom. They said, we don't have anything that belongs to us. We have no ownership over it. But they had all things common. And with great power gave the apostles witness of the resurrection of the Lord Jesus. And great grace was upon them all. You know, the apostles, think about this. They weren't trying to sell some doctrinal system. They were speaking what they had actually seen with their own eyes. A risen Savior. By the way, this is another good point for an amen. Some of you have totally fallen asleep. Say amen, wake back up, get with us, okay? Finish it out these last five minutes with us. They were speaking what they'd seen and heard. Read the book of 1 John sometime. As John writes from the Isle of Patmos and talks about, hey, the thing which we had seen, the thing which we had looked upon, we just were telling people about that. So the apostles are witnessing the resurrection. There's no personal ownership. Look, it keeps going. Great grace was upon them all. Neither was there any among them that lacked. Is that not the hugest statement ever? If I said today on your way out there's going to be a clipboard, list what your needs are. It could be a physical need. It could be a spiritual need. It could be the need for a vehicle or a million dollars or whatever. I kind of laid out all the needs. You know what? We'd have clipboards full of needs. In this church, in this environment, there was no one who lacked. They had what they needed. You know why they had what they needed? Because they had Jesus. They had the filling of the Spirit. That's all they needed. If you would drop what's in your cup, empty the cup, He will fill it with all you need. Remember when I was a kid, we used to sing a chorus. And it was, uh, Christ is all I need. Everybody remember that one? Christ is all I need. Christ is all I need. All, all I need. You say, that's the dumbest thing I've ever heard. That's the most effective truth you'll ever hear. Christ is all you need. If you're trying to have anything else fulfill your life, you will never be fulfilled. Not going to happen. You could know thousands of Bible verses, but if Christ isn't all you need, you'll never be happy. Now you could have everything together in your life, financially and physically. If you, Christ is not all you need, you'll never be an Acts for a Christian. I'm speaking the truth in love today. I, I love you dearly, but neither was there any among them that lacked. Here's why. For as many as were possessors of lands or houses sold them and brought the prices of the things that were sold and laid them down at the apostles' feet. Goodness gracious. And we can't even really get into this, can we? we Pastor, we live in a different era. We live in a different era. They, they were different back in those days. You know what they did? They noticed each other's needs to the point that nobody lacked. And they finally said, you know what? There's nothing on this world worth holding on to because we're going to spend eternity with Jesus. And they let it go. I just totally let it go. I don't even know how to speak to this. 
It's so difficult to wrap your head around it in modern Christianity. They laid him down at the apostles' feet. Every distribution was made unto every man according as he had need. And Joseph, who by the apostles was surnamed Barnabas. Boy, this is going to be a great, a great man of the faith. Which is being interpreted the son of consolation. He was going to take Paul on his first missionary journey. A Levite and of the country of Cyprus, having land, sold it, brought the money and laid it at the apostles' feet. This was all a result of submission to the Spirit and the great boldness that followed. See, when Christian courage is visible in the believer, one of the great byproducts is selflessness. By God's grace, there's no discussion about personal rights or private ownership. Believers serve in total unity. And they say, God, use us in any way you want. What we have is yours to use. And what a remarkable thing took place here because they prayed for courage. <laughs> Just to recap, they said, God, look down here, see what's happening. We don't know if you want it to stay. We don't know if you want it to go. We don't know if they're going to hurt us more. Whatever happens, we're not asking you to take it away. We're asking for boldness. We're asking for courage to continue to speak and serve and love in our community. I hope you'll be here next Sunday. I'm going to be presenting what I truly believe God has led to be the next steps for us as a church in turning caring into sharing. It's a huge vision because we serve a huge God. Would you do this today? We're going to have a special song to end the service. And during that song, would you do this? Would you empty the cup? Would you bring God the cup of your life and say, God, I'm tired of trying to do it myself. I know there's this thing I won't let go of. Maybe it's a sin. Maybe it's a weight that besets you. Maybe it's a dream or desire that you think you have. Just bring that cup and dump it out before God today and say, God, fill me. Fill me with your spirit and fill me with the courage to live the way you want me to live. Ask big. Ask for courage. Ask for boldness to take the next step. That's what I'd ask you to do today. Would you bow with me in prayer? Could be that you're here this morning without Jesus Christ. If you are, we would hate for you to leave this property today without having the opportunity to know Jesus. And if you would like to know Jesus as your Savior, we could have a private room and a counselor and the Word of God all come together to show you how you can know Jesus Christ. If you just take my hand during this song or after the service, we'd love for you to know that. If you're a Christ follower today, or if you claim to be a Christ follower, would you empty the cup? Say, Pastor, my cup's already empty. Well, come down and tell God it's empty then. Would you be willing to come before God today and say, God, I have an empty cup. I'm done running my life. Fill me. Give me courage. Use me. I know the temptation is to say, oh, I can make it through this song, and then I'll go on about my life. But what if you stepped out with a big decision today for God? 
It could be the biggest decision you've made since salvation to say, God, I surrender everything. I want to give it all. They're going to sing a song called People Need the Lord. And uh, I hope during this song that you'll come. Father, would you work now during this time? Help us to come before you. Oh God, people need you. And we're supposed to be salt and light, and yet we have so many issues of our own. We have things in our cup that we're not willing to let go of. I pray that we would come before you today with empty vessels and say, God, fill me, use me. Don't take this situation away. Help me to live boldly in the situation. Guide us, we pray. Jesus' name, amen. Would you stand? As you stand, they're going to sing. The altar's open. You do what God wants you to do right now. Come as they begin to sing. Fill the altar. Do what God wants you to do right now this morning. Every day they pass me by. I can see it in their eyes. Empty people filled with care, headed new who knows where. On they go through private pain, living fear to fear. Laughter hides their silent cries. Only Jesus hears. People need the Lord. People need the Lord. At the end of broken dreams, He's the open door. People need the Lord, people need the Lord, when will we realize people need the Lord? We are called to take His light. To a world where wrong seems right What could be too great a cost For sharing life with one who's lost Through his love our hearts can feel All the grief they bear They They must hear the of life only we can share
started one yeah just grab a blank piece of paper or card and get one two three names on that, that you're praying for that God will change their lives you say pastor I just don't have the courage but would you read Joshua one this week Joshua for 40 years followed another guy in leadership and all of a sudden he was the guy and God told him repeatedly in Joshua one be strong and of good courage you know, at the end of the chapter, even the people around him said to Joshua, Joshua, we're behind you. Be of good courage. You know, we're going to have some opportunities next Sunday to encourage people to have courage. And I hope you'll be here for it. We're going to have a great time. Don't forget, if you're headed for the music meeting right after church, if you can sing, play an instrument, would be willing to be involved in church music, uh, make sure you meet right up here with Brother Casey, all those who are going to be in the Christmas play drama. And uh, I'm going to ask Brother Bill to take Andrew and Summer Maddox out to the lobby. They joined the church with us last Sunday night, and some of you haven't got to meet them yet. And yeah, be praying for them and their needs as they get transitioned in here at the church. I love you, everybody, and uh, I'm so glad you came today. You're a blessing to my heart. I'm going to ask Brother Justin Dotson, one of our deacons, to lift his voice from the back. Had to dismiss us in prayer.